This morning, we're going to look at the parable of the persistent widow. Just by way of review, we've said a few important things about understanding of parables. Number one, parables always teach from the known to the unknown. That's what a parable does. Number two, about one-third of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels was in the form of parable. It was one of his favorite forms of teaching truth, the parable. Three, each of Jesus' parables were either given to solve a problem or to answer a question. To solve a problem or to answer a question. So it's incumbent upon us that we search out any parables preceding context of Bible verses to find out which problem or which question gave rise to the particular parable. Number five, it is impossible to discover the truth of any parable by superimposing our culture or our customs onto the parable. Instead, we must consider Jesus' time on earth, the customs that were prevalent at that time, and the culture that that time was of Jesus' time. And so as we come to this parable of the persistent widow, we need to point out in the preceding context to the miracle, excuse me, the parable, is in Luke chapter 11, and Jesus' disciples had asked him to teach them how to pray. As a preacher, I think it's very significant that they didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach. They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because they had seen the power of prayer in Jesus Christ's life and they had seen the priority of prayer in the Savior's life. And so they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And in Luke chapter uh, 11, verses 1 to 4, we read the following. Hear the word of God. And it came about that while he was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And so prior to the parable we're going to look at, Jesus' disciple asked him, teach us how to pray. And Jesus did. And also prior to the teaching parable of the persistent widow, Jesus taught his men something else. He taught his men to keep on praying, to keep on asking, to keep on knocking. If you look at verse 10 of Luke 11, Jesus' words, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. The tense of the verbs in verse 10 say this, for everyone who keeps on asking receives, and everyone who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking it shall be opened. The Lord Jesus wanted his disciples then, and he wants his followers this morning to persist in prayer, not to quit. In verse 8, still in Luke 11, Jesus said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The context there is Jesus illustrating to say a person has unexpected late 
hour of the day guest. He doesn't have enough food. Hospitality in that culture was supreme. It was a great slap in the face if your guest had nothing to eat when the guest arrived at your home. So this uh, neighborly uh, get, uh, host came to the neighbor and begged for food. And the, food said, the neighbor with the food said, I'm, I'm sleeping. It's the middle of the night. But the person kept asking for the food. I've got travelers who come to be with me. I want to give them hospitality. Please give me something to eat for my guests. Please give me something to eat for my guests. And due to persistence, Jesus says in verse 8, the man who was roused out of a sound sleep gave the man who wanted to be a good host the food that he needed in order to be a good host, even though the hour was very late. And so the question, if you flip over to Luke 18, that's where this particular parable is found. Luke chapter 18, the question which was raised at the time when Jesus gave this particular parable about persisting in prayer, the question was this, why persist in praying? Maybe you asked the question this morning. I've prayed about this for so long. Why persist in praying? Or maybe there's been a time in your Christian life before this morning where you've had that question burning on your mind. Why should I keep on praying? Well, that was the question that prompted Jesus' parable of the persistent widow. And he said, uh, he first begins the parable by introducing us to a judge. And in the first two verses of Luke 18, will you follow in your Bibles? Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Judges back then, as judges still today, were usually respected. But sometimes some judges sinned by not respecting God as they ought to have respected him. Then, like now, judges were in the business of deciding who was right and who was wrong and then ruling on how the wrong person could make it right for the right person. Then, like now, judges were in the business of justice. They were to apply the law equally, impartially, to persons so that fairness would win the day. And right out of the gate, in this particular parable, the Lord Jesus paints the judge in the parable in a very less than flattering terms. Verse 2 again. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. This judge had two huge problems. He did not fear God. That meant he couldn't possibly have any knowledge, true knowledge. Because Proverbs 1, verse 7 reads, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning, dear person. You lack knowledge, fear God, and ask God for the knowledge, the book of James, and he will give it liberally and not hold back. But the beginning first base of the whole thing of knowledge is to fear and reverence God. That's where to start. This judge did not do that. 
This judge had a huge problem. He did not fear God, but that was not it. He had a second problem. He did not respect other persons. And these things go hand in glove. If a person is irreverent about God, they're disrespectful about persons made in God's image. These things go together. To not properly fear God is to not properly treat people made in God's image. It goes together. And so this judge had two problems. He didn't fear God, and he didn't respect other persons. He was an irreverent judge and a disrespectful judge, and he was not going to rule with righteousness left to himself. He was not going to rule with any empathy left to himself because he was incapable. He was incapable of rendering kind, equitable, respectful judgments because he didn't fear God and he didn't respect other persons. The next person that Jesus introduces us to in this particular parable is a widow, a married woman who experienced the loss through death of her husband, a widow. And this particular widow was a very persistent lady. Without a husband, she was undefended from someone who was perpetrating some injustice against her. We do not here in the parable what the nature of the injustice was, but just that she was having an injustice perpetrated against her. She did not have a husband to protect her, so she came to this irreverent and disrespectful judge looking for legal remedy. Verse three, and there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Notice that verse 3 says that the widow kept coming, kept coming, kept coming to the judge. She wouldn't take either no answer from him or an answer of no from him. She kept coming. She kept coming. She kept coming. She had to get a yes. She was desperate for a yes from this judge. That's what made her persistent. Could it be that I am not persistent in prayer as I should be because I'm not desperate enough? Maybe that question resonates with some of you. The widow in the parable needed justice like a fish needs water. She was desperate. The parable doesn't describe just how many times the widow looked for legal remedy from the judge, but verse 5 gives us a clue. It uses the words continually coming. Verse 5, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. Yeah, the parable doesn't say how many times she came to the judge, but for an irreverent and callous man to decide to deal with her, she most likely came to the judge plenty of times. We, in fact, find out that she begged the judge enough times that 
he said that she bothered him, verse 5, and he felt that if he didn't answer her, she was going to wear him out, verse 5. Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. She must have been extremely persistent. She asked, and she asked, and she asked, and she asked, and then she asked some more. Verse 4, and for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or respect man. This is a telling part of the parable. This irreverent judge, this disrespecting of other persons judge knew what he was like. (laughs) He was self-aware that he was irreverent. He knew right well he didn't respect other persons, and it didn't bother him one iota. He was fine with that, being irreverent and not respecting persons like he should have. He was self-aware of his irreverence and his callousness, and he had no problem whatsoever living that way, working that way. And yet, due to her persistence, he gave in. Due to her persistence, She won. She got justice. She got the legal remedy that she so desperately needed. And she got the justice and the legal remedy from an irreverent and a callous judge. Apparently, her persistence overcame the judge's indifference. By the way, have you noticed that it's only an innocent person who persists in asking for justice. A guilty person much prefers a mistrial. Before salvation, we would have had a very rude awakening if our request for justice was granted by holy God because we would have been in hell. But at salvation, We were given mercy because God's just wrath against sin was fully poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you're aware of you falling short of God's holy standard. You don't have to remain under God's holy wrath. You don't have to remain on the way to hell. You can say, I need a savior, I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died in my place. I trust him and him alone to make me new, to forgive me, to give me a place in heaven when it's time for me to go. To turn from sin and from self and from Satan to the Savior in childlike faith. Well, nonetheless, before salvation, we would all have had a rude awakening if our request for justice was granted by holy God. We would have been in hell. But at salvation, we were given God's mercy and God's just wrath against our sin was poured out fully onto Jesus. Now at this point, in Jesus' parable, he was making the point that a person who has a right cause is right to persist in pursuing it. Jesus was saying, a person who has a right cause is right to persist in pursuing it. Persistence may just pry out justice even out of an unjust 
and an uncaring judge. Next in his parable, the Lord Jesus makes a sharp contrast between the bad judge and the good God. And how important this contrast is to be made in our thinking even this morning. The Lord Jesus makes a sharp contrast between the bad judge and the good God. Verses six to eight. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night and will he delay long over them? I tell you, that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? At this point in the paragraph and in the parable, we are going to see some very important truths about our Heavenly Father. Jesus taught these truths in the parable to the original hearers, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So these truths about God taught by Jesus' parable of the persistent widow are still true about your heavenly Father and mine. And these truths about our heavenly Father right from this parable are going to greatly help us to keep on praying, to persist in praying, not to give up in praying. Ready? Number one, God is capable of bringing about justice. Number two, God is willing to bring about justice. Number three, God will bring about justice. If not in this life, in this dispensation, then in the coming kingdom of Christ, the thousand-year literal millennial reign of Jesus Christ from David's Davidic throne in Jerusalem, yet future, God will bring justice. Fourth, God has chosen ones who are his beloved children. That's you if you're saved. You are God's chosen daughter. You are God's chosen son. And he loves you as such. Five, God wants his chosen children to ask of him. It is one thing for a little child in our church to come to me and ask me, Pastor Rob, could you give me this or that? That's one thing. But when one of our two children would ask me for something, if I have it, and if I think it's for their good, I'm so delighted, as is my wife Beth, to give them. Because they're our chosen children. They're both adopted as newborn babies. We chose them to be our children. And so when Jonathan or Joanna asks us for something that's good for them, and we have it, we gladly give it. You are God's chosen children in salvation. And he loves you. And the Father delights in you coming to him in Jesus' name and asking for the things of which you have need. Delights to give it to you when he sees it's best for you. And God wants his chosen children, you and me, to ask of him. God hears the requests of his chosen children. God the Father is not distracted. God the Father is not out on a business trip. God the Father is not busy. God the Father is not Sleepy. God the Father 
is a hearing father to his chosen children who pray. Six, God grants that the requests of his children in accordance with his flawless will and purpose for them. If you are asking in accordance with the word of God and the will of God for you at that point in your life, God will grant the request. Keep praying. God quickly brings justice whenever he decides to bring justice. You've been waiting, some of you, for justice a week, a month, waiting for justice a half year, waiting for justice one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, waiting for justice. When God decides the time to mete out justice in your situation, he will speedily do it on his time frame in wisdom. God quickly brings justice whenever he decides to bring justice. And the last point in this wonderful parable about our heavenly father is God is not reluctant to help us. You know, when someone asks you for something you're a little reluctant to give for any reason, you might put them off, come back another time, maybe when I have that on hand, etc. God is not reluctant to help us. He loves to help us. And so all of these qualities that are in this parable about our Heavenly Father ought to be very motivating qualities that would persist our prayer lives, that would keep us going, that we wouldn't quit in praying. Six to eight again. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you, that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The point of the parable is now coming into sharp focus. And this is the point of this parable. If persistent asking will move a bad judge to a proper decision, then persistent Praying will move a good God to answer in a perfect way. Again, if persistent asking will move a bad judge to give a proper decision, then persistent praying will move a good God to answer in a perfect way. That's the answer to the question of the context that preceded the parable. The question was, why persist in praying? That's the answer. Because if we persist in asking a bad judge to give us proper decision, then persisting in praying will move a good God to answer in a perfect way. So keep praying. I want you to think about that with me. That is that persistent praying will move a good God to answer in a perfect way. I want you to think about that with me. Abraham prayed and Isaac was not sacrificed. Joseph prayed, and he was positioned to save his father, his family, all of Egypt, and all of the world from starvation. Moses' mother prayed, and Moses was not killed. Moses prayed, and the Jews were freed from slavery in Egypt. David prayed, and the giant fell dead. 
Esther prayed and the plot to exterminate the Jews failed. Jesus' disciples prayed and they spoke Christ with boldness. Jesus prayed and he went through with the cross. Jesus' disciples prayed and they went and then they preached Christ with confidence, although facing threats. Paul prayed and the Roman soldiers who were chained to him in jail got saved. And John prayed, and the resurrected Christ taught him the future on the island of Patmos. Those are just a few of many biblical examples of believers who persistently prayed and who saw God answer in perfect ways. And I'm sure if we opened this to be a testimony time for personal testimonies of this, I'm sure that you'd all have some of your own examples times when you have persistently prayed and God answered you in perfect ways. Maybe it was money just in time of needing to pay a bill. Maybe it was strength to go through the time of death of your loved one. Maybe it was healing where the doctor said there would be no healing. Maybe it was connections with strangers, connections which blessed all who were involved. Maybe it was the right job to meet your needs. Maybe it was words when you needed them to share Christ with someone. Maybe it was a healthy baby. Maybe it was recovering a lost item. Maybe it was a member who was saved. Maybe it was a godly husband or a godly wife. Maybe it was the safe return of cash or some other valuable thing. Maybe it was direction about what to do and where to do it and when to do it. Maybe it was a broken relationship restored or a sinful habit broken. Grace to forgive a person who really did you wrong. I believe that every believer who has in any degree persisted in prayer will say that the Lord answers prayers in perfect ways. In my own life, I think of praying for 25 plus years for a particular man's salvation and eventually because I wasn't in close proximity to him for many of the latter years, eventually discovering that God had gloriously saved the man such that he was doing street preaching in Canada. With God's help, I persistently prayed, and the Lord answered my prayer in perfect way, a way I never, ever would have imagined. Verse 7 to the first part of A. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. Time and time again, whether we see it in our Bibles or we see it in our lives, persistent praying moves God to answer in perfect ways. It's clear, if you want to see God answer in perfect ways, most often you are going to have to persist in prayer. Jesus closed this particular parable with a question. Of course, Jesus Christ never asked one question to gain information. He knew everything. So when Jesus Christ asked a question, he asked a question to teach. 
And it's the same in this situation. Jesus Christ closed his parable with a question. Second part of verse 8, please. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The preceding context to this verse 8 indicates that Christ did not and still does not expect to find faith in him on the earth when he returns to earth at his second coming. You know the next event we expect, looking at the prophetic record of the scriptures, is the rapture of the church, the catching up of born-again believers to meet Christ in the air. This amazing event kicks off seven years of literal tribulation on the earth. That seven-year period is concluded by the second coming return of Christ. And it's the second coming return of Christ that Jesus is referring to in the second part of verse 8 when he said and asked, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I'm submitting to us this morning, based on the previous chapter, that he's not going to expect faith in him on the earth at the end of the tribulation. If you look back at chapter 17, it has some very ominous words, ominous phrases. It says the days of Noah, 17 verse 26. It says destroyed, 17 verse 27. It says the days of Lot, 17 verse 28. It says fire and brimstone, chapter 17 verse 29. It says one will be taken, 17 verse 34. And it says vultures, 17 verse 37. Ominous words. And so when Jesus Christ ended this parable of the persistent widow, he ended it assuming that it would be increasingly hard for his believers to persist in prayer because as they live in future times nearing the second coming, the vast majority of persons alive on earth will reject him. Again, he asked the question at the end of the parable, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The answer to that question is no. But we still are called to persist in prayer in this church age when whosoever will may come to Christ and be saved. That persistence in prayer will be hard because of factors inside of us and factors outside of us. Inside of us, there are factors that work against us being persistent in prayer. Factors like impatience or the lack of discipline or discouragement or laziness. All these internal aspects Factors work against us persisting in prayer. And outside of us, there are equal factors that work against us persisting in prayer. Outside of us, doubting Christian friends, Job's comforters, doubting Christian friends who say things like, 
God isn't interested in that kind of stuff. Why pray? God helps those who help themselves. Maybe you have sin in your life. And from outside of us, these factors can work against us persisting in prayer. These doubting Christian friends I've just described, the pressures to perform. When we have a pressure to perform for Jesus, we think prayer is optional. Prayer for Jesus was the ministry. We have factors from outside of us that work against us persisting in prayer. The pressures to perform, as I've just said, unbelieving friends and prayer curtailing circumstances, distraction, weariness, busyness, an independent spirit that somehow we wouldn't say it out loud, but somehow we say, I got this. I don't need to pray. I went to school for this. I went to the school of hard knocks for this. My wife sees me through this. An independent spirit will work to go against God's will for us in persistent prayer. You will notice with me that sin is an interesting word, S-I-N, and in the middle of the word sin is I. I. I don't need God. I. I. So there are factors on all of us from the inside of us and from outside of us that will push us pressure us so that we will not persist in prayer. If we ever get started in prayer, these factors will help want us to shut it down. Quit. He's never going to be saved. I shared the gospel with her once and she wasn't interested. And so this being said, Jesus Christ's parable of the persistent widow is given to us in our Bibles to promote persistent prayer. Because Jesus wills and wants us all to persist in praying. Of course, this means that despite the forces inside us, despite the forces outside of us working against persistent prayer, it is possible to persist in prayer. It's possible. Jesus wouldn't have taught this parable if it was impossible. I've told you before, True story about the atomic submarine that went down way too deep and the immense water pressure on the submarine at that depth crushed the submarine as if it was a plastic toy. I've also told you that at the same depth, depth as the atomic submarine was mangled are fish. Fish that are swimming and living and doing fine at that depth. How does an atomic submarine get mutilated, crushed, and a fish at the same depth thrives? Oh, it's simple. God made those fish to have an internal pressure great enough to counteract the external pressure on the fish. God made those fish with an internal pushback. So the external push in can't succeed. So what would be some practical pushbacks that we could have from God 
that would push back the external and even the internal pressures to quit praying? What would be some practical helps? Well, let me share with you 11. Number one, regularly ask the Holy Spirit for help. It's not a fancy prayer. Spirit of God, I feel like quitting praying about this. Help me. Second, make a list of what you're praying for and a list of the answers to the prayer which you've already seen and make those lists portable that you can take them with you to work, to shopping, to wherever you go, exercise class. Make those lists portable. Maybe it's a folded up cardboard that I use, or maybe it's a sheet of paper folded up, or maybe it's an iPhone or a tablet, or whatever you want to do. Make the list you pray for portable and the answer to prayer list also portable. Why? Because we spend a lot of time waiting in bank lines. We spend a lot of time waiting in doctor's offices. You get the point. You can redeem the time. If you have portable lists, then you can pray, persist and pray until your wait is over and you're going to do your business. Three, be very alert to any answers to your prayers that may be taking place. You know, you may be praying for a certain thing with a certain expectation of a certain answer, and God has answered, but you didn't notice. He did something higher and better and different than you were praying for. Don't miss those answers. Write them down. They'll keep you praying. Four, gravitate to another believer who persists in prayer well. There is nobody starting with this pulpit, platform, and pew that is perfect in persisting in prayer. But some have learned how to do some of it. Find those people and ask them to give you a little, some tips on how they persist in prayer. Learn from them. Five, see it as doing for others what you would have them do for you. That is persistent praying. If you ask anybody to pray for you, and you should, then you had better be ready to persistently pray for what they want prayer for. If you're going to ask someone to pray for you, and you should, then you better be ready to reciprocate. You better be ready to do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Number six. See persistent praying as a privilege. (laughs) I mean, you're not talking to a pro athlete. You're not talking to an astronaut. You're not talking to the prime minister. You're not talking to the queen of England. You're talking to God. (laughs) God Almighty. The creator. The sustainer. The sovereign. The savior. It's a tremendous privilege to have access to that throne of grace, to find grace to help in time of need. Seven, teach a believer what you have learned about persisting in prayer. If on the one hand you're to look for a believer who knows better how to persist in prayer than you and get gravitate to that person, equally there are persons near you in this assembly who may not have a handle on persisting in prayer as well as you do. Teach them. What would happen in the foyer or the front 
a yard of the church or the parking lot, if you were to find this morning someone who would either teach you to be more persistent in prayer or you could teach, that'd be good. Number eight, read biographies of Christians who have persisted in prayer. One of the blessings of living on the 21st story of the skyscraper called Christianity in the 21st century is there's plenty of Christians who went before us who were good at persisting in prayer. And their autobiographies or their biographies are available to be read. Read them. It'll motivate you to persist in prayer. Read other good books on prayer. There are lots of good books with good theology about praying that it'd be great for you to get one of those and just read it. Ten, remember that your heavenly Father is willing and not reluctant. You could make uh, the screensaver on your computer. You could make a little three-by-five card and put it on your mirror, ladies, where you put on your makeup. Gentlemen, put it on the mirror where you shave in the mornings, and the sign would have three words, willing not reluctant. Willing, not reluctant. And when you see time and time again, maybe the dashboard of your car, willing, not reluctant, it can motivate you to persist in praying to a willing God and not a reluctant God. And 11, cultivate a prayer appointment in an established place. I've told you before that the church vehicle is clean this morning because there's a time when it's cleaned. A set time. Sometimes I have to admit my teeth are a little dirty because I don't always have a set time to brush my teeth. Do you have a set time to pray? Do you have a set place to pray? If this is a new concept for you, then why don't you consider, am I a morning person or am I a night person? If I'm a morning person, to pray in your appointment with God in the mornings. If you're a night person, pray for your appointed time with God in the evenings. You say, Pastor Rob, my prayer life is stalled out. I, I really don't have much of a prayer life. I'd say, that's okay. We can fix that. God can fix that. Could you set aside a certain time every day for five minutes to pray about matters? Five minutes. And then for one week of praying for five minutes every day, could you up that to seven minutes every day? Could you the next week up it to 10 minutes every day? That's how you jog, right? I couldn't jog a mile right now. And you say, no kidding, we noticed. But I probably could jog 1,000 yards. Build it up. And only break your appointment time with God if you cannot control it being broken. But otherwise, that's an appointment you keep. Almost like God is waiting in the place where you are going to pray each day and you stand him up if you don't pray. You know, Beth and I have a sweet model of persistence in prayer, Pastor Philip Wisenhunt, best daddy. One of the churches that Dad Wisenhunt pastored, there was a brother who gave him a new men's suit every year. Two of them, two suits. Do you know why? 
because he wore the knees out of his suit pants, praying in his office on his knees by his desk. He's 92 years old. And when we talk to him on the phone every week, he said, I'll make that an attitude of prayer. I'll make that a matter of prayer. And he will. Because he's trained himself to persist in prayer. Luke 18, 1 to 8, one more time. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he not delay long over them? Excuse me, will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Persisting in prayer pleases the Lord. It promotes faith and it produces the best results. Persisting in prayer improves us. Pastor Morris Russell, one of our former beloved pastors, I'm told that whenever you ask Pastor Russell, how are you, Pastor, he say, improving. You know what's going to improve you? One of the things that's going to improve you as a Christian is persistent praying. Because praying not only changes things, praying changes the person who prays. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, willing judge, rewarder of persistence in prayer. We are your children, and we are not so because of our merit, but because of your amazing grace. We are happy and motivated that we do not have to overcome your reluctance to see you answer our prayers. And we are reassured by the fact that as our Heavenly Father, you are capable, all-powerful, willing, attentive, all wise, everywhere present, faithful, promise keeper, merciful, gracious, and generous. May we not quit in asking of you in our prayers, since you are all of these things and so much more. We praise you for perfect answers to prayer past, and we trust you for perfect answers to prayer future. Today we have gotten your personal invitation to persist in prayers. We have heard you loud and clear. Now it simply is time for us to persist in our prayers. May you find faith in this assembly. And may you find faith in me. And may you find faith in each Christian who is in the sound of my voice because you will find 
us all persisting in prayer and not quitting. Teach us that persistent prayer not only changes things, it also changes the one who prays. Teach us that so that we will be transformed to be more like our Savior as he is seen in Gethsemane. Change us as we pray with persistence. Improve us because we refuse to quit in our praying. Father, please help us to persist in our prayers. Change us. Cause us to see more of you. Make us to be more like Christ. Give us a heightened love for others. Mature the Holy Spirit's fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Deepen and strengthen our faith in you. Get our eyes off of ourselves and onto you. Improve our worship. Populate our weekly Monday evening prayer meetings. Giver of every good and perfect gift. Precious Heavenly Father, be glorified, be magnified, be occupied with our persistent prayers. For we pray these things grateful in Jesus Christ our Lord's name. Amen. Amen.